Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. the devil are you it's thursday it's the podcast how's your week been good you got over the uh, the two episode week last week we're back to normal now it's back to every thursday and this is episode 60 with holly dempsey more of that in a sec now look i, I don't do this every week because i don't want to bore you or burst your eardrums but you know that we do this podcast for free and it's funded by you it's helped out by you the listener now we have uh, a patron site so it's patreon.com forward slash the two shot podcast go there if there's anything that you can do to help every month we give you four free episodes a month and if you like it if you love what we do uh apart from telling your mates and getting them to come and listen a few quid here and there helps everything so if you want to become a patreon member who knows you might even get a beautiful badge or some other beautiful things that are coming your way because it's a two-way thing. We give you free podcasts. You give us a few quid every month. We also like to give you little extras. Go there, take a look. But for now, put your feet up, get a cup of tea, whatever you want to do. This is episode 60 with Holly Dempsey. Now, you may know Holly from the Ricky Gervais show Derek. You may have seen her in the current series Harlots, which is on... The, one of the ITV digital shows. I should I should know that, didn't I? And also Hulu. Uh, I know it's big in the States. It's with Samantha Morton and Holly. It's a really, really good show. And she is an absolute delight. Myself and producer Griff, we went to London. We managed to get times and dates sorted. We've been talking about it for ages with Holly. And uh, we got a cup of tea and we cracked on with the chat. So here it is. This is episode 60 of the Two Shot Podcast with the very lovely Holly Dempsey. I'll see you at the end. It's the intro sound. It's the intro sound, always. We said we'd do a little dance when we actually got this together, didn't we? Oh, yeah? We, we've been <laughs> we trying to get this together for yeah. a, yeah, a fair a few months, haven't we? Been playing it, playing hard to get. I yeah. know, but we're here now. Yay. How are you? We made it. Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No, you're so welcome. I've wanted you to come on for ages. I didn't know this little dungeon was here. No, it's a nice dungeon, that, seeing as you can't best, see it. <laughs> don't, don't call it a dungeon, okay. Holly. Just call it like an, an artistic basement, which is what it is. There's right. lots of art hanging on the walls. That's good PR, that. Yeah. <laughs> we get this oh, space for free, you see. Ah, oh, so don't call it know, a dungeon. Don't call it a dungeon. No, it's gorgeous. It's a lovely red dungeon full of paintings. <laughs> I'm trying to re you know, I like dungeons. You look, well, that's, that, Freud would have a lot to say about that, Holly. Come on, is this the way we want to start the chat? I thought we started. Of course we started. <laughs> How's things? Are you well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those, I think that tone of voice gives it all away there, doesn't it? I notice it in my actor friends when they go, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. fine. Why do you feel that you're putting on a brave face or something at the moment? Think, or? Yeah, possibly. We do though, don't we, I think. I think. I suppose you want to seem positive or have a positive sort of mindset even if things aren't yeah. going particularly I think you great. have to because the fear is constantly 
what we do and what we go through. So, yeah, I think you have to keep positive, otherwise it's pretty easy. You know, a couple of weeks out of work and I'm itching to do more. Really? So, Only a couple of weeks and you're... Yeah, yeah. But most of us have to suffer longer than that before yeah. you get... You know, you can have... If you're doing well, you could have two jobs a year, perhaps. And that to most people, that's crazy. But, but also it's the perception, because a lot of people think you're doing well and see stuff coming out. I think that's often the way when you've got projects out, you're often out of work, but the it feels different. So everyone's like, oh, you're doing so well at the moment. But you stopped shooting that a year ago and you're just at home scratching your bits. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? But, I mean, <laughs> of course you've got to be positive, but you've got to be honest and sort of true to yourself at the same time, aren't you? And if you are, you know, we all have bad days and it's all yeah. right to go, do you know what, I'm having a fucking, I'm having a terrible day, actually. Yeah. And things aren't going particularly well. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say going to plan because I know loads of people don't really have plans. No, and especially in our world, you can't really because those plans will go out the window. Within hours, you don't know what you're going to be doing. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah. At the moment, it's free, but if you get a call or you get an audition, everything changes. Well, exactly, because, so. we, you know, case in point, we were going to record this earlier this week, weren't we? And then yeah. all of a sudden, you texted me and went, Craig, oh, no, I've got yeah. the scripts. And, of course, you've yeah. got food, you put food in your belly and pay the rent. So those yeah. things, you've got to go and get those jobs. Yeah, and you need those people around you that understand that, that don't get annoyed <laughs> when for the third time you've let them down or because yeah. it's yeah and for me it takes preparation if I've got a job on Friday or an audition on Friday you need days before that some people don't relate to that but yeah that's why your circle becomes smaller I think because people some people get it and some people don't have you had that have you had people that just sort of don't get it yeah I'd say so yeah from a distance maybe it's something they thought they wanted to do and they think they know what the world is I think that's often the way they think they know what it is so they think that you've changed. There's always, you know, that sort of line, oh, you've changed. It's like, yeah, of course I have. I've grown up, I'm developing, I'm evolving. I think change is good, but people see it as, this is years ago, I think I probably, yeah, I've kept a tight circle for a reason because you don't have time at the best of times to see as many people as you want. And of course you need that support and like uh, good solid friends around yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Who sort of get you and understand yeah, ideally, if they're actors and non-actors in our business, I think that helps because there's nothing like sitting down with another actor who really gets it and just, you know, you don't sound wanky when you're talking about the process or how much. But then you need your friends who aren't in the industry as well, you know, people you've grown up with. and. But also for yourself, it's nice not to talk about it. Yeah. Because you go, fuck, I'm just, I just need it, but I'm fucking sick of it at the moment. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't want to talk about it. I, I need to have a rest from it. Yeah, yeah. Within within your own head, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I think we've, we're one of the industries where you don't mind talking about work. So a lot of people head to the pub at five o'clock and that don't you dare speak about work after that. <laughs> Whereas I think all of us, we're constantly, our whole lives are striving to get that next job. So in a way, I'm always up for talking about what we do because it's, it's so diverse as well. It isn't work per se. It could be, you know, whatever story, whatever crazy tale or hardship, good times. I think it's such a varied career full of such different people that it doesn't really get boring in that sense. And do you live, still live in the same area that when you were born? Yeah, born and bred. Which is? Now I'm doing a northern accent. I, know, I don't know, people, that comes people, out. People do <laughs> tend to do that sometimes when they're talking to me, it's going just, to northern that's my comfort. That's my comfort zone, though, for some reason. Is it? It's, it's, yeah. So if I have to tell a family member or something what I don't like about them, it often comes out like this because it's a little <laughs> bit easier to handle then, isn't it? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, not got nothing to do with up north. So, yeah, East London, born and bred. Whereabouts? Stratford. Stratford? Well, yeah, before yeah. that, Manor Park, to those who know, will know. Manor upon the park. It's, yeah, it's changed, cra- it's crazy changes that I've seen In over what the way? years. 
Well, I've lived in Stratford since I was nine and it was always the place you didn't want to live in. When we moved there, my mum opened the newspaper and there was a big red circle basically around our area, big crime hotspot. And, you know, my dad's van was nicked on a weekly basis and it was full, yeah, it was crime. My brother was mugged at gunpoint and stuff. It was a very, you know, it was a bad sort of area and now it's olympic village it's e20 it's apparently hackney (laughs) a lot of it now and i'm like i don't think that's hackney but yeah so it's just it's changed in loads of good ways but also you know it's it's just crazy to see westfield's landed there it was just the area no one knew of so even years ago when i started acting i'd tell people that i was born in stratford and they're like oh upon avon lovely (laughs) and i was like no bang bang bang, e15 yeah the other one the rough one yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's, I think Londoners are quite special in their own little ways. They've, we've had to sort of, I think you're quite adult from a young age because you just grow up right in the centre of everything going on. I suppose growing up in the big city, you sort of, you kind of sometimes maybe forced to grow up mm-hmm. a bit quicker than what you should be, depending, yeah. on, depending on the areas, you know? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it, yeah, I think it's a good thing. It makes you who you are and builds you up and as an actor and or an artist or whatever, you do have a wealth of life. There's, I saw a guy wearing a T-shirt the other day saying, come to London and see the whole world. And I really, yeah, agree with that because that's my favourite thing about growing up in London. I've been so spoilt with such a rich mixture of like cultures and yeah. people growing up. And often people have to learn at a later stage about loads of different people and where people come from and race and creed and religion. But I just did that before I knew I was doing it, which is amazing. Because it was always was there on your doorstep. Yeah, it? yeah. And how was it? How was growing up? How was family life? Yeah, it was all right. Um, yeah. My, my dad, well, my mum and dad split up when I was about 14. So that's, I guess, tough because it's a tough age just before you become a woman or a yeah. man. And my brother's five years older. So that's not easy. But, you know, sometimes it is a better thing for people. People see it, a breakup as a bad thing only. And it's not always. It's, you know. Yeah, they can't see the positives. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes people can't work together under the same roof. But. You know, it's not the end of... We still see each other and we're still a big extended happy family now. Yeah. So, yeah. But, of course, you didn't probably didn't... You weren't mature enough at 14 to sort of see that. Yeah, true. So, was it hard, the breakup? Did that affect you and your brother? Mm, yeah, probably. More than we probably know. Because, like you say, at the time, you just deal with it and you get on with it. And yeah. Also, you don't know if it's any different from what's happening to other people and to be honest it was a lot of people's stories as well I remember right. taking the mick out of my friend because his parents are still together today and I was like oh, aren't you embarrassed about that your parents are still together <laughs> that's a joke but like most people I know don't have that situation and yeah. it's you know it's quite common and it's much better when my mum was seven her dad died and she went back to school and the kids just took the piss that's all they knew what to do because it was weird, because everyone else had a nuclear family. So to them, it's like, oh, Judith's dad died. And it was a joke. It was like something to take the piss out of her for. So maybe be growing up in such a diverse, and it's not just that, but like families are different now. It's not just the nuclear family, which no. wasn't always good, but it was just the norm yeah. and tradition, which, yeah, like I said, isn't always you, a good thing. As you say, yeah, it can be a positive thing. Yeah, yeah. If, if something's not right... Mm-hmm and there isn't a bit of change, then it's just going to explode and it's going to yeah. hurt more people. Yeah, and they, you know, they argued a lot, so that was the end of that, which is good. That's a good thing, yeah. so that we're not all, you know, living in that environment. So, yeah, 
It's not always a bad thing. But still a good relationship with, yeah. with your mum and dad. Yeah, and I still live because it's London life. So me, my mum and my brother all live together. Because again, it was, I live in the kind of area people taught me to make money and get out of. And now suddenly all the people who are making money are moving to my area, which is great and lovely, but I want to stay there now. So that's the... Oh yeah, so you don't feel the yeah. need to, to get out anymore. No, 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 it's not that. I guess before it was like you... In East London, this is why it's pros and cons, because a place like East London <clears throat> has always had so many artists come out of it because it was cheap rent and, you know, big, empty, cold, damp houses. But yeah. you were able to do your art and, you know, have a roof over your head and a bit of support and time. And also and they're the telling stories from, from in and around yeah. that area. Yeah, exactly. that's what they know. Yeah, and often they're poverty-driven stories. It's what most culture and art comes out of. So now that, I think that is really, I don't, feel the soul as much in a lot of London it'd be like Soho where we are right now you know it's different to what it has been before yeah, good I've and seen, bad I've but... seen Soho change over yeah. the years and my friend Tanya who owns the Maison Bateau the tea shop above mm. us now she's been here for years and she's seen Soho change so much yeah I bet yeah and you it'll know. be in good in some ways but often what people flock to these places for is for the culture and the art and <clears throat> you will lose that if you stop letting people... So if, it, if it's just filled with rich people, then they're often the ones who pay for art and who pay for, you know, you need it from the bottom and you need all of it in one. So when I was younger, you, you imagine making money and moving to somewhere like Richmond, perhaps, where it's always been quite expensive to live mm. and it's beautiful. But if you can't do that, you can still make your art in East London or somewhere. And that's not the same anymore. <laughs> no. No. Just the postcodes and prices are just, yeah. Just, we all know this, it's not a new story, but... No, it just seems to be going up and up. Yeah, and the areas I've been brought up, they're just not, they're not desirable. And now suddenly it's the same property, the same area, and it's over half a million pounds. The area that my brother never let me go to, as growing up, just like, you've got no business going down there. Now <laughs> people are moving there in their droves to be near Stratford, St- Stratford yeah. Station. Yeah. Just think, okay. <laughs> it's funny how the goalposts move... But change yeah. sometimes isn't necessarily a bad thing, is it? No, exactly. No. There's good in it. That's the only thing is that we wanted a bit more. We wanted safer streets. We wanted more police. We wanted a bit more, you know, things back then when I was losing friends or whatever. And now it's here because there's money. So that's the only irk, I guess, mm. is that, yeah, it com- the, the help comes when the money's there. But and how was school? That was, it was all right. It was interesting. Just one little tower in the middle of Forest Gate. It's called Stratford School in Forest Gate because it burnt down years ago or something. But um, it was just a weird one. So we had uh, St Angela's to the right and St Bonaventure's to the left. East Londoners will, will know what I'm talking about. But they were the schools that people knew of, so people didn't even know. I'd say I'll go to Stratford School and they go, which one? St Bonds or St Angela's? Right. Or uh, Sarah Bunnell. It's like, no, no, Stratford School. Yeah, which one? They're just like, really? We're right in the middle of you guys and we wear bright purple blazers. So you should you should know us. <laughs> you should have seen us by now. But yeah, we kind of just kept ourselves to ourselves, like 90% Muslim, I'd say. Um, I was one of like four white kids, I think, in my year. Billy, Charlotte, Stephen. I think that was it. Big up you lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, like I said earlier, that's such a rich thing. We we would have ha- we would have questioned things so early on and battled them out and had that before you even say the age of ten. You're, you've 
worked out you know and you've got respect for other people and you've yeah. learned things about other people and then you get on and realize oh we're all the same really and it's the norm it's just natural yeah. it's always been there yeah. yeah and i feel like we were coming on leaps and bounds in a way then because we were all from the opposite opposite ends of the world you know my best friend was vietnamese my other friend was from gambia it was just yeah just a huge array of people from around the world and um, we were fine. We, we genuinely were. And I think anyone of my age, a bit older, like I'm reading a Carla's book at the moment. Oh, what a G. But like he said, if you're that much older, you would have really felt the scars, especially, say, as a black man. You would have felt the scars a lot more. Whereas that, f- say, 10 years younger, we were in that real comfortable, lovely situation where we were all just learning about each other and getting on. Of course, there was issues. Say, in my pocket, it was probably quite because it was so diverse that, say, racism wasn't an issue. I'm sure in other schools you will have. If you're the only black person or the only Asian person, you're going to have suffered some prejudice. Yeah. But I do feel like we were making steps then. You know, this is before the whole sort of Brexit and people who were forced to be a bit quieter before because your voice is bigoted are now able to come. And it just feels like, oh, God, we, we as kids were so much further than the nation seems to be now and yeah it's a weird one to come from my little corner of London and be so a part of so many cultures and then seeing the world now just learning really slowly (laughs) what it is to be and we're all different but that means we're all the same so yeah it's it's weird I feel like we are so evolved by the age of 10 or 11 and now the world is trying to catch up yes but happy times at school here and there yeah like I said I mean, it's school up life, in East isn't London. it? I mean, yeah. there's just so many ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get a spot and it's in front of the whole school, you know? If if you, yeah, anything that happens, you share it, which is amazing. It's kind of bonding and that's where you really cut your teeth as a human, I think. If you can get through school, the rest, you know, in other, in many ways, it's easier being an adult in lots of ways. But, um, yeah, like I said, my area is quite violent. So there's a lot of, yeah, things happening around and, just just like is happening still to this day, which is, yeah, I think it's hard. It's it's beyond hard. It's tragic and violent and people need to do something. Someone needs, I don't know what, and that's the problem. Something about what's happening with young people because, yeah, they need more opportunities and something more to live for. Otherwise, if you've got more to live for, you won't act like that. Did you have opportunities when you were at school? Were you sort of busy doing sort of extracurricular clubs and things like that? Were you keeping busy? Yeah, and I really, yeah, I testament. Well, I, I think that's a huge testament to me and all of my friends. So I start, I joined a local youth theatre in Stratford, just performing in front of people and embarrassing yourself and then getting back up and doing something else and making people laugh and then not making people laugh and just all of that. And I was always at the back of the room. I was always very quiet and just observing everything. I wasn't one to, sh- I wasn't the shining example were you quite quiet as a kid yeah <laughs> yeah I, yeah I can chat now I've saved it all up you see <laughs> no one would listen to me when I was young so now now look at me I've got a podcast <laughs> um was, you, was your brother yeah, quite was. quiet as well well I think we kind of flipped in a way he as a real young one he was the hilarious dressing up you know he'd just disappear and come back dressed as a bean sprout or something mental um and then he, he, we always thought he'd be the actor. He's five years older than me. And then he became, he's a drummer and a producer. So he's always been in the backstage kind of thing. And I took over. Someone, uh, Jan at the Theatre Royal, she just told me one day that I think you'd be quite good at TV because you don't fill the stage like some kids do. And that was really useful because I thought, oh, so I can do it. Just maybe, you know, I didn't have the, the voice and the lungs and the 
comedy of some of my friends. But yeah, I was acting my ass off at the back of the stage. Did you feel all right when she said that? Yeah, it kind of gave me a bit of focus to think, I don't feel like I'm excelling right now, but there is something you can see that I could do. And it's all those tiny little drops that take us where we are now. And yeah, even my mum said a few years ago, she was like, you know what, love, I never thought you'd make it. It's like, oh, cheers, mum. <laughs> now the checks are coming in, eh? But she, she was, yeah, coming to watch me once a month or whenever we'd have a little showcase and probably just thinking, oh, bless her. She's not, you can't even hear a word she's saying. But then you find what it is, your ni- what your niche is. Yeah. Because so, I couldn't sing, dance and act. You think, well, I'll never make it then because you've got to be a triple threat. It's the kind of thing people make you believe. And then you find your own tiny little niche, whatever that is, and you can do something with that. So you need to know that, though. Someone needs to tell you, I think, at that age. I think it's important to know your limitations because then you've got the strength in that. And then it's always important, you know, the only way to learn is to fail. Failure is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you can do it at that age because you really do... Yeah, if you can do it at that age. Yeah. And, you know, get through that war zone. Yeah, definitely. Because it is hard and, and, you know, kids are hard. Yeah, definitely. And Stratford East has been always notoriously a very honest audience so any comedian who's done yeah because we have comedy nights as well in the restaurant any comedian who's done uh or on the main stage it's just very honest especially back then which was great if they liked you you'd hear it and if they didn't they'd tell you yeah (laughs) um and there was one time we did this show oh and it was a free show so we were about 15 and we'd put on this show we'd been working on it for months and some of the girls had gone out to get lunch and they'd seen all the boys from our school and my best friend's school, all the top bad boys of the school. And someone had let Rip, not let Rip, that's the wrong term phrase, (laughs) (laughs) plot twist. Someone had told them that there's a free show on tonight. So, you know, just free says it all. So all of them came down and filled the theatre. And I was on stage playing a little Victorian wife. And all I could hear was, you know, just all all your peers that you care so much about what they think now not so much but then it's like just the worst thing in the world and they're shouting my name out and they're saying things and I can hear them clearly and I remember seeing like a real fork in the road in front of me that day just going I'm never doing this again why would I put myself through this oh really and everything that did go wrong did go wrong so my drama teacher Carlos big love he stood up and was like no I'm not having this turned the house lights on he was like get them out ushers what are you doing they've worked hard on this show we'll take it from the top of the scene fine so this scene I'd been packing a suitcase with my husband behind me we're like 15 so it's quite sweet to you know watch all this and I come back on stage to redo the scene and my suitcase won't open so even that's just one of those things like oh you know I'm meant to be packing this suitcase but I just used it. I used my frustration with the audience, with my husband and whatever. And like, it was one of those things where you stayed in the moment. The audience are appreciating that and just see what you've been up against. And as an actor, that's kind of the best thing you can do. Theatre is never going to be the same, is it, each night? No. So if you can hold it together, and that's, that's basically our job. But yeah, I did go home that night thinking I might never do this again because that was just the worst. At that age, it's the worst thing that can happen. But... Yeah, I'm yeah, it's glad. Awful. It's awful at any age, but especially at such a young age. Yeah, like knowing you're going back to school tomorrow and God knows what they're going to say. This is my little secret hobby that I do outside of school. But then I remember thinking on stage that, do you know what? If I do ever do the National or something, I'm never going to quite know how bad I've been until I read a review, if I choose to or not, because it's going to be a sort of light smattering of applause, yeah. whether they liked it or not. Whereas Stratford is, you shit, 
get off stage. <laughs> it's well, very Shakespeare. On the plus side, at least, you know. Yeah, exactly. So is yeah. that what it was then at that age? Was it just a hobby? Uh, did you, is that what you saw it as? Or did you no. see it? <clears throat> I think I definitely, yeah. Probably the age of, after a few shows there, then I knew I have to do this only. Because you can't, of course you can do it part-time and you can have another job, but you really want to make a career of something, you have to go full hog, don't you? So, I, yeah, I think I did realise about 16, this is what I want to do. Again, nothing going for me for it. It wasn't like everyone around me was telling me, you should do that, you're great. It was just a weird inner confidence voice saying, you have to do this. And I remember actually thinking, I don't know if I'm any good, so I'm sorry if, if you've all got to watch me, <laughs> but I really like this so much, so I'm going to have to keep trying. She didn't have uh, that confidence then yet? No, not at all. <coughs> I don't know if I've got it yet. Well, that's interesting, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Because confidence sort of goes up and down. Yeah, definitely. You can put on this this veneer to other people or project that you are when mm-hmm. inside you're just sort of yeah. crushing. Yeah, and I think you're as good as, say, your last job. So if people love and think that I nailed Vicky, for example, that's great and that will live on in Derek. That will live on, but then you have to do that again or you have to do it with someone else or you have to... You know, so yeah, confidence. It's a weird one because at the time when you're doing it, I'm not sure if you can know how, because you don't know what, what the reaction's going to be. So say Derek now, I know that, well, it's like Marmite, some people hate Ricky and hate what he does before he's even put anything out there and other people really adore it and really get the show. But that means that, you know, that was that was there and that's done. So you have to try Move and get on. another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, it's a weird one in that sense. A lot of my friends are able to get, say, job satisfaction and they're able to get good at their job. I don't feel like we can, ever, maybe. In what way? Like, if you're working in an office and your jobs are lots, but they'll be similar, Mm. you get good at it, you get practised. And, of course, there's lots of things we can get good at and we can practise. But in a way, no job's really the same, I guess, as an actor. No, that's true. But do you not? Do you feel that you do learn from job to job, though? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's definite. Yeah, and also just how to. So not just the acting bit. That's so small often compared to the waiting around, the meeting the people, the getting the job in the first place. So yeah, I do think learning how to manage yourself on set and around people, and yeah, and you can learn an accent, but. You still have to. You have to still have to make it different to the next job you do. I guess. Speaking of accent, mm. your accent. I don't know loads of people from Eastland, so I don't know what an Eastland. But you've got a very sort of soft. Mm. Is that a soft East London, or is it? Did you <gasps> used to sound different? Oh yeah, mate. I was fucking well. You wouldn't recognise me, <laughs> honestly. You don't want to make me down a dark alley. Was that no, a I never sounded that, like that. You never sounded like <laughs> no. that. You always sounded like this. Uh, well, my mum's Welsh, my dad's Irish, so oh, it's right, not like okay. yeah, we're not sort of like Bow Bells hailing from there mm. sort of thing. And actually, like I described, my so say t- ten minutes down the road, Canning Town, it's very white, very English, still. So that would have been a lot more of a co- my friend who used to hang around there. She was a lot more real Cockney, you know, yeah. old Cockney. Whereas my area in Newham and Tower Hamlets, and there's such a Muslim, Pakistani, Bengali, African, Caribbean, such a diverse mix that our East London accent was just a real amalgamation, I guess. It'd be like, there'll be black culture, there'll be a Pakistani accent, and it's, it's my favourite thing. Do you know what I mean? that To me, that is growing up, and that is the voice of East London, to me, that I remember. And it would just be different for different people. So say the Whitechapel Road was very Jewish for years, and now it's very Muslim. Um... So yeah, in East London, that is real East London, that bit. 
and it's it's just evolving, which is what East London's always done, I guess. It's always been immigrants coming in and out and making it what it is. And of course, accents change yeah. from one end of one road to the... Yeah. You go around the corners, people sound completely different, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Where, wherever you go in the UK. You yeah, know? definitely. And I'm sure around the world. Yeah, and even, a, say, a street slang from south is different to a street slang from east growing up. It was yeah. always... Yeah, so you're right, it can be very different. And my East London's quite specific experience, whereas 10 minutes down the road is Essex, so that's a whole different accent. And yeah, I, I remember my mum always wanting me to keep it to be slightly well-spoken, because I always used to go, Mum, I'm going to the theatre. She's like, where? Theatre? <laughs> I told you, the theatre. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, and I think just in acting terms, she'd always thought, if you want to be an actress, I want you to be able to have a range. And I guess quite old-fashioned as well. Every, even a working-class actor from back in the day was well-spoken and well-trained. And obviously I've hit another curve where people don't, they wanted Vicky for Derek. They want untrained. They want someone who's kind of real or a real tongue, if you like. So we're not quite the same, we're more of a mix now. But I think I always knew that I would be pigeonholed a little bit. I was playing gang girls and things that I'm not even very good at, but because I can say in it, that people right. imagine that, oh, great, she can do that authentically. Or, you know... Or, or I so like, they think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really like Danny Dyer, but I just imagined being playing his daughter forever sort of thing. I haven't played it once, I'd like to, you know, just once <laughs> before I die. But I want to play, and I know how hard it is for working class people to break out of that and play up, it just barely happens. So in a way, I just oh, wanted to be rarely. a bit, yeah, yeah, androgynous, is that the word? Yeah. Maybe, yeah, just wanted to be a bit more, yeah, neutral. But now it's, yeah, it's sort of sad. I get into a car and people are like, you're not from East London. I am, but as an actor, I, don't, I think, it, yeah, you'll just get one type of role, which is a shame. As if there's one type of person in East London. <laughs> well, as if there's one type of person anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think is I've always wanted to be such a blank canvas because I like I sort of pride myself on being a bit of a comedian and I can look so different and lots of different accents. So in a way, I never wanted to get... Yeah, I didn't want to enter the... And my agent, Piers Nimmo, was so good at making sure we didn't stick in a box, yeah. making sure we, yeah, got out of that and... And was your, was your mum and dad fully supportive when you were younger, when you said, oh, look, I think this is what I kind of yeah. should be doing? Like I said, yeah, my mum didn't say then. Didn't think, I don't think you'll make it, love. Yeah. I was so glad that she said it once I'd started doing it because, yeah, I think those things can really make a difference. But to be honest, everyone who told me I'd never make it, they were, they were thanks, guys, because, you know, that's always the back of, in the back of your head going, oh, you one in a million. Did you have a bit of that? Who, was, the, who, yeah, was, who was saying that? Just anyone, all the teachers... Uh, oh, so you, you voiced it at school that that's what yeah. you wanted to do. Yeah, I knew, I knew. And from when I started at the youth theatre, I just, I already knew that I'm kind of making a career already. This isn't a school play or anything. This is, you know, it's a real main stage and it's a big deal. So, yeah, I knew I wanted to, to do that then and follow it. Yeah. And how were you academically? Did you have something to back up? Mm. Or were you just going, no, I'm putting all my eggs in this? Yeah, definitely that. But I did, yeah, I wanted to come out with pretty, because I know I'm smart ish generally. So I thought, I don't want my grades to be rubbish. I want to come out with something good. I like to do a job pretty well if I'm going to do it, even though you have to do it there. But yeah, I wanted to come out with grades that roughly reflected my intellect, but also didn't care about getting the best grades. Because I guess I just knew, I knew I'd never pull my GCSEs out for anything, and I haven't. 
yet. I don't know if anyone <laughs> no. has really. I know, but trigonometry, though, you know, when <laughs> I'm on stage, it's a very trigonometry useful tool gets to me have. Through. Harley, yeah, yeah, we yeah. all know that. Oh, it's mad. Like, people come out, they don't know how to get on the council list. You don't know how to, I don't know, real basic <laughs> things that people could do with learning. Yeah. How to do your taxes, how to even read a form like that. But no, let's, you know, let's concentrate on things that most people will never use unless mm. you're doing a further maths degree. But yeah, that, that was, I was all right. But yeah, I did know, which is kind of dangerous. I already knew wholeheartedly what I wanted to do. But I think you have to be that strong in it. You can't sort of... Well, if you're stepping into it, you've got to suit up, haven't you? Because yeah. it's, uh, it's yeah. only, things only get harder. Yeah, yeah. As, as, you know, whatever you do, life just sort of gets harder. Yeah. I, yeah, I always thought it wouldn't be that way, but I think it actually is. Because you get older, things more pressured and it becomes a bit less fun because everything is always, I'm just grateful for the, oh, I'm doing this now. Mm. Oh, this is nice. And now you really have to think of it as a, yeah, as a job and what can really push you to the next stage. D- depends what you want from the industry there. Each of us are different. Well, of course. And also what you are given. You know, mm-hmm. you can want so much. Yeah. And you go, oh, well, I'm never going to get that. Mm. Or I'm not being given the opportunity. Yeah, that. and you know that's kind of all right if you can make peace with it and not yeah let it eat you up too much. I suppose. Mm, yeah, yeah, and those those things change as well. What you want from it changes as you go along. Yeah, because and, you change, don't you? Yeah. You know, you change as a person. Yeah, and you, your needs and wants change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just such a tough. People have always said that, and they're right. But whenever I heard one in a million, all I heard was one. If you told me it's impossible, maybe I'd have given up, but it's not. There's one in there. So, yeah, you really do have to go for it, you know, all guns blazing. So what was the next step after school? What did you want to do then? Because mm. you were 16. Did you leave school then or did you go and do your A-levels? I did do A-levels, yeah. I went to a, a local um, college, which I didn't enjoy because I was already in my head. I was already just needed to get out of there and get on with it. So mentally you'd already left yeah before you'd started yeah so it was two years there but again I'm glad I did that and I often think back on my sociology or film studies drama and English language so I'm glad I did all of those and maybe if I'd come out and tried to do it at 16 I'd have been still a bit more un, a bit more clueless so actually those two years if nothing gave properly lit my fire and soon I was out of there like a bullet ready to you know, attack it. And that bit older as well, so 17, 18, able to plan a bit more than I would have been at 16. Um, and then I got a job in a Caribbean restaurant inside the Theatre Royal, big up Wills and his family. Saw him yesterday, gave me some of his secret family hot sauce. You oh. give, give that to me, the recipe. Oh, my God. Was it very I, secret? Yeah, I don't know it. Don't yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> I love a hot sauce. Oh, I know, it's so good. Oh yeah, but he was he was that was like that was one of those things as well that without him I wouldn't be here. He didn't give me any acting opportunities, but the fact that I could go there, get cash in hand, work, work a few evenings and then say to him, "Oh, Wills, I've got a job. I need to go for 3 months." He's like, "All right, you sack yourself." That was his saying, which is great, you sack yourself. And then I'd come back in 3 months and he'd give, you know, my job was there. Right, so okay. that I don't think exists at all anymore. So that's nice security to have knowing that you can go and do what you need to do. Yeah. Did you wasn't no point of you when you came out your A levels that you thought, "Well, I need to go and learn more and I want to go and train and go to drama school." Was that an mm. option at any point? Because mm. obviously, you know, you wouldn't have been able to get 
any sort of funding or or grant, would you? Mm, not, not, I don't think so. I don't think so. And even before that stage... What year are we talking now? Uh, 2008. Right, no, you'd have been... Yeah, there was a bit of funding around, which is, I'll say in a minute, what helped me get there. But even before that, each audition was 50 to to £100 for each drama school. And yeah. that is just, to me, it's shocking. Because I couldn't even afford, say, the travel to get to these places. Then the fee to audition like I don't know well I yeah we didn't have that so that sort of cuts out people of a low income which is where a lot of talent is so it's a real shame yeah yeah I just never from that I just thought hold on and I thought to myself so if I go to drama school for three years forgetting the money that I'm hemorrhaging I can do three shows in three years so I thought to myself that's not a lot what I think I can achieve in three years on the streets, on the streets, in local theatres, doing films with my friends, all of that, and making connections and making and networking. I think I could get professional in that time. And a lot of my friends had graduated and still, at the end, they're like, now what? Now how do we start? And I just thought, that's not for me. I know I have weaknesses, so say my voice or body, you can work on things like that. If I had a big show coming up and you really need to work on your projection or you can do that in the evenings or on weekends to do a whole three years for how much per year and then at the end you don't have any guarantee. That to me was just not... I just needed to just go for it and I knew people who'd done it without drama school. Yeah, so you had inspiration from them. Yeah, and just Stratford East was such a hub of talent and people, you know, if you know people... So I did a a showreel in my bedroom, I just stuck like a black sheet on the wall. It was my brother's idea and I'd written these characters um, and just thought that is surely a better way of getting... I can just send that as far and wide as I want on the internet rather than waiting for a showcase at the end of three years to hopefully get an agent and then my agent when I met him he begged me sort of not to not to go there and I think as well I was lucky to come not in to on go where? Sorry. to drama school oh right okay yeah well, why, was it something that you were you were well, thinking about doing? I think I was just still young enough to think I mean never say never but now I, yeah, well, I can't, I would never do it now. It just seems ridiculous. And it, it, there's a lot of my friends who've got stuff from it that I won't ever have or won't have now. Yeah, but then again, you'll have a lot of stuff that they, that yeah. they won't have because, you know, we're all individuals and yes. we've all got our own little paths. And Yeah, and that's what I love about this industry. That's why I'm not knocking it because it is some people's path and they really needed those three years to find who they are. Who they are. But for me, it was... Yeah, I couldn't afford it and just wanted... Again, I feel lucky and blessed that I hit a cusp where... So say Ricky, Ricky wouldn't have liked me the same if I'd come in and I was trained and I was acting. So say for the part of Vicky, that was a really good time where people want to see more real people on 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 camera and stuff. They want to see reality, they want to see real people and sometimes training strips that a little bit from you. Not always. And again, they'll have other positives... But yeah. yeah, it just wasn't for me. It just was, and I, I don't like the idea that I've got a book at home that my uncle bought me for Christmas about something, uh, how to get into acting. And the very first page is this man who's got a maths degree. <laughs> He's not an actor, right. hasn't been, uh, and says, first things first, if you don't go to drama school, you'll never make it. You really? might as well give up now. I should have brought it in. Hilarious. It's really strong. And luckily I was already doing it and making money from it. So I thought, oh, that's dangerous. Imagine I'd read this when I was 12. And well, I gone, think it's oh. really dangerous because it completely cuts off uh, a certain 
type of person from a certain place, you know. Exactly, yeah. So many people just can't afford yeah. to do that anymore. Maybe they really want to. Yeah, and hopefully you can sort of. But I think Judy Dench always talks about how many hundreds of letters she gets begging for help to go to drama school, and she's done it a bit, I think, but she can't help everyone. No, and of course not. Yeah, and it's a shame that it becomes that. It becomes a rich man's game just by virtue of not being able to... People have always been doing that, even sort of, you know, I graduated 20 years ago, people were still writing letters off, and even years mm-hmm. before that, they are writing letters off to, like, the big famous people to try and, well, I've got a bit of money, but, you know... Yeah, and I guess that was when, if you came into an audition and didn't have one of the top drama schools on your CV, they weren't taking you seriously. So I guess it comes from that, whereas now I think we're a bit more American in that sense. We're more excited for, right, what have you got? Who are, you know, I don't really care where you've come from. We've heard you're great and what can you give this part, which is much better. And with the internet, I was able to put my showreel out and find my agent and get some attention. And with that, you you can do that now. So it's is that easier. how you did it? You just, because you're, you're such a different generation to me. Yeah. Like, I remember the first time... Me and my flatmate got bloody dial-up internet. <laughs> Look, I don't even know what dial-up is. Oh, please. I'm flattered. <laughs> but I was watching Naked Attraction the other night on Channel 4. Have you seen that? Where they no. lift up the blinds and someone's just there naked. People know what I'm talking about. It's not a niche sure show. It's a very big But hit. it's very much like watching porn in the 90s because it's all just like you have to wait an hour before you see the whole thing. <laughs> like, yeah. I do remember the modem. There's nothing, there we go, that noise. nothing more but of we, a turn-off than that one. We wouldn't have dreamt about sort of putting things up and yeah, because we, you know, we didn't. One, we didn't really have that sort of the phone technology. You know, mm-hmm. it's, everything's there nowadays. People are shooting yep. films on a, a yeah. bloody iPhone. Yeah, so that's how you did it. You. So, what did you do for a showreel? How were you looking at other people's showreel for inspiration, mm. knowing what you need to do? Or? I think I did find one lady who inspired this thing because it wasn't a normal showreel. Because that trap of you don't have work to put in a showreel, so you can't get work. So it's that vicious cycle so I thought how do I break that I was quite arrogant with my brother I was like listen Marcus I've got a CV on the internet okay he was like yeah but that's paper and it's just you know the shows you've done at Stratford no one's going to look at no one in the in, in the creative industry is going to be looking at that and going oh wow so he it was luckily he was the one who was like you need to put your face out there somehow so I did I wrote this thing called Voices of Love so it's just based on love and different characters I thought I could play and then put a big black sheet up on my wall and so you, played all the you characters. Wrote, you wrote your own stuff? Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I wrote it about a year before and then got it together, bought a wig, uh, was working at the Caribbean restaurant every night, so in the days I was whoever, femme fatale, and then I'd come out and get into my gear and go to the work and then come... Yeah, so I did that over a few days and that did get some good attention and, and say my agent would have heard about me from someone and gone, yeah, and then seen that and gone, oh, brilliant, she's put in that effort to get noticed. And so initiative. Was... You weren't just sat on your ass mm. going, oh, God, I really want to do it. You were doing something. You put yeah. pen to paper and you went, right, let's, yeah, let's yeah. crack on. Yeah, and it does. It was the ripple that was needed. When, when there's so many people like me, say, trying to do it, you've got to stand out in some way. And I just worked on my strengths. I look back now and I'm, I cringe at the video because I could improve it so much. Yeah, but, but that was then. Yeah, you know, exactly. For then, it was obviously brilliant and what you needed to do. Now, yeah. You're, you know, you're on a completely different path. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, I don't, you should, I don't think you should be... I mean, you'll be a bit cringy, but... Yeah. 
you should be really proud that, that you did that. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's just our critique. It's natural, isn't it? If I went, oh, smashed it. Ten years later, still as good as it ever was. <laughs> I suppose that's, you know. If you're still thinking that, you're nowhere yeah. near as good as you, you <laughs> exactly. were. I mean, it's, in fact, we've probably gone down it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's good to keep, yeah, I can see what I would improve on it. But yeah, it was still what other people weren't doing. And I always suggest that people do that. And for someone else, it might be they open with a song because they've got a beautiful voice. And then they, the rest is really funny. For me, it was... It went down a quite a dramatic and sad route because that's what I was writing at the time. So that was my strength. Someone else could do exactly the same video and it would be totally different for them. So, yeah, just doing something that calls your strength. You're obviously much more confident than a few years back when, before you did this. Mm. Before yeah. you did this, this, this um, Show, showreel. Yeah. I can't find the words on this. It's a showplay, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Were you still as shy? Were you still, were you, or were you still finding your voice? I've never been like a big group person. I guess that would have been the thing at, at 10 and 11. What do you mean a big group person? Well, you... I probably don't thrive best in a big group. I mean, most of my friends, they're like, you know, smaller groups or... So I was finding my voice and it's where I feel at home. So at the Caribbean restaurant, I was just, just loved it there. It's my family and, you know, I felt really at home. That's where I learned really good Caribbean accent as well. Really honed it, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was it was a great place to to like to be able to grow up and and to be able to just be quiet and be at the back and not be too, you know, not to be put too pushed down any route. Everyone was there to find themselves. Unless you've got that hub of Stratford East, which mm-hmm. is very well known for being like a hive of activity. Yeah, and... yeah, we, we grew up there. And I guess as soon as I left college, when the funding was still in existence, a few, ten of us got sent to Amsterdam to work with ten Dutch youngsters as well and we put on these plays in these shipping containers which was incredible I don't know again many actors who have that on their CV uh, in October in a very cold Dutch field in a shipping container we had the wind one so it's earth wind fire and water but it was just amazing over 10 days we built this play from nothing and those are the kind of things that really set you on your path yeah. and just working with the Dutch practitioners just amazing the way they work it's it's so all-encompassing we just used to turn up at six try and put something together leave at eight and maybe not turn up next week whereas for them it's like yoga from 10 and then working on your body and eating very minimally at lunch and carrying on and it's just a lot more uh, of a lifestyle over there and so by the time we came back all of us were like no I'm I'm too serious now to even maybe go back to youth theatre where some oh, people are... Oh, was that quite inspirational then to yeah. go there and see how other people were yeah. training? Yeah, and that, it was incredible. For all of us, it really made us the adults we are, whether we're still acting or not. Um, someone's gone into business and that we, we've all used that trip. My friend's now an amazing father of two. He's not an actor, but he still talks back to that trip and how much he learned as a man. So even things like that, and that was funded. And then the year after, we got invited back, three of us, to to like build on what we'd done last year but of course uh the funding was like well you've done it before so you can't do it again you think oh that's one way to cultivate talent isn't it and so we fundraised i think we did a 10-hour improvisation at the theater royal all over the gaff and 10-hour improvisation that sounds terrifying (laughs) yeah it was i mean when i think back a lot of it was just us in the top room and me thinking no one's watching this but so we could just stop and have a break that's improv but we didn't we did carry on then we took it to the front window of the theater so we were just it was like amsterdam just a load of actors in a window (laughs) begging for money (laughs) and and then murray murray melvin at the theater who's a very 
he's a pillar of that place. He, um, him and Mary funded us like the last bulk of money. But again, these are the people without these little, you know, these general or big generous things. We, I don't know if we'd all be where we are now and able to really know. And that, so when we're talking about my confidence, after I've come back from something like that in Amsterdam, I really knew that I've got some some weight now, if you like, behind this. I know that I can do this. And now I can go from zero to the stage at the end. And, yeah. And I hate to use the phrase life experience, but it sounded like something that yeah. you started to grow from. Yeah. From and thinking about it, we were all just youngsters from East London. So I'd never travelled. I'd never, I've not, I didn't go on holiday until last year i've never had a prop oh you look so worried just for the podcast he looks like he's about to cry never had the a hol- things i've told him today <laughs> and that's the bit you, you just take a break a- now you never had a holiday no or you never went abroad what's the difference um, well you must have had a holiday Holly, what like butlins like anything like mm. a break no not really we'd go to my auntie's but that's family no it's you a, didn't it's go on holiday as a family no we went to one we on one caravan trip, which is still to this day just, you know, flipping Gavin and Stacey couldn't write it. It's just... It horrendous. Yeah, but it was also the funniest time of... Because, you know, the worse things get, I think, the more you laugh about it. It's very British, that holiday. But, yeah, no, didn't... So for us, like, it was... And my friend Dwayne, I was just talking about, he still talks about just t- plucking us all out of that and putting you... In Amsterdam, which is an amazing hub as well, similar to London in that sense, all the young people we're working with are really diverse. And, yeah, when would we have got that opportunity to do that? So, it's, yeah, it's really important and it made us who we are. Where did you go on your first holiday? Portugal. How, whereabouts? Uh, it was down to me to pick and I picked, like, the Blackpool of Portugal. Don't, what do you mean the Blackpool of Portugal? Well, everything, there's omelettes only. Only omelettes Nobody available. Nobody knows what an omelette is in Blackpool. Trust oh, me. Okay. <laughs> you know I'm from Blackpool. Oh, shit. <laughs> I like Blackpool. I but everyone's... Oh, right. Well, actually, no, that I've was got... my first holiday, actually. What? Blackpool. Blackpool was your With first best holiday. Mate, yeah. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> yeah, my friend got racially abused. But it wasn't by a Blackpoolian. It was by someone visiting. Probably from Sorry, Preston. did you think probably this was going to be a... Probably from Preston. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No well, offence, Preston. Motherfucker, he missed his train that <laughs> night. Mm-hmm. And it's Blackpudlian, not Blackpudlian. <laughs> Is it Blackpudlian? No, Blackpudlian. Oh, Let's sorry, just, mate. Just get that all sorted Shit. right now. <laughs> it's a bit like that, innit? You, you know, I can slag it off, but you can't slag it yeah, off. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, fair you enough. You can say what you like about, about that, but no, I have to. Well, that's what someone else coined it, just because I know there's... Basically, we just didn't have any good food there. Everything was sort of fried. And everywhere else on the island, yeah, that beautiful pr- and lovely. That hasn't changed, don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> just a lot of Brits. Again, yourself to Lisbon. Yes, exactly. I just saw a load of British people fighting. I don't even see that where I come from. Oh, I was like, no. oh, bugger. Sorry, mate, I've brought us to the wrong bit of the island. you go somewhere gorgeous and you go, oh, I'm just immersed in yeah. this beautiful <laughs> country and I'm in this amazing city or I'm in the countryside and all you hear is like, Northern accents or English accents. You've taken me out of it. Well, my favourite thing, we'd go, for a, yeah, we'd go for a walk down the strip and we'd see, oh, it's just a beautiful sight, see two big English, a big couple, a big couple of English? A big English couple sat there having fish and chips about 7pm, looking out at the sea but watching the one show on the big <laughs> screen in the bar. Because the, the bar knows what they're doing, just like give them what they want, give them the one show. And we'd say thank you in, like, in Portuguese and they'd instantly go into 
speaking fluent and we're like oh no 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 that's all that's all we know but just because we've made the smallest effort but they, they like assume, a bit of effort yeah, of like when you're in italy not so much in in paris i always feel oh. a bit of an idiot you know when you try and speak a bit of mm. french and then they go you're welcome and you go oh, yeah. right, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah cheers mate very very small now <laughs> yeah <laughs> so where were we where are we now so you got your agent from your do-it-yourself showreel yeah. that you'd penned. And I'd got into the very, very last episode of The Bill, which is my dream there at you the can. time. done it text. Right. I can die happy now. But every, resum- every resume I'd ever seen, that was what they were called when I was always Googling them growing up, resumes. Really? Resume? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Too much they all had the bill. You, Holly. <laughs> me? Yeah, that's what I What was that or the bill, I guess? But no, I loved the bill growing up. Me and was my that, dad Was show. that your first telly? Yeah, first ever job, yeah. Um, small part, like one minute in each episode, but it was the very, very last episode ever and met some great young people on that as well. Yeah, that was, that was great. I've always wanted, yeah, I wanted that on my CV because every British actor had it on there. But uh, And then, yeah, met peers through that and, yeah, it's been great since then. He's, you know, we've. I'm just really proud that it's been the work I've been doing has developed and. And do you feel better. you've been growing and learning as a person? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And sometimes it is the bad, all the bad times as an actor. So the time off or the the lower times. I think that is it's all useful and and needed, even if you can't see it at the time. Because as an actor, you have to you have to be living. If you're not living, you're not going to be any good at your job. So just making friends with the time off and finding things that you are apart from acting, which is hard. But by your own mission, you know, you find it very hard not doing what you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And how how do you deal with that? Because are you one of those that, right, well, I'll go and do something else very, very quickly to block out the fact that I'm not doing something that I should be doing or that yeah, I want to be I'm doing? I'm getting better at filling my time, but you can't, I can't, I struggle with, I couldn't go off and say do a writing course for 40 weeks and pay £500 for that. And then you get an audition the next day and you have to miss that day. Of course. There's no courses that you can, that's a real struggle. But I guess fitness, so whenever you can fit that in, it helps with cycling, swimming, yoga, whatever. Uh, cooking, That helps mentally as well, you know, yeah. the exercise to yeah. deal with any sort of dark times that you might have. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you, you're your own worst enemy mm-hmm. sometimes when it comes to that. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it is about, yeah, having those... You can't work consistently. I, well, you can, but, but even some of the top actors don't. Of course, they have money behind them that will help them with the six months off. Right. But still, you still, you know, if you're an actor through and through, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you still want to get Keep, that next good role. Yeah, and being creative and sort yeah. of getting out of your system. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so whatever it is that you like doing, I like cooking a lot more nowadays because I like eating, so it helps to... But it's just, yeah, filling your time and, and also it, being happy in the day, but also kind of keeping it, because, you know, I might get a voiceover job like that or you've got to be kind of present and there, even if you're out of work, so to speak. You've got to be ready for the next. And when you are in work, just like that, you're in and it's off and you've got to be fit enough and everything to, to do it. So, yeah, so in the time off, it's not letting yourself fall down that like, How do well. you deal with auditions? Are you good in that environment? In the room, you mean? Yeah. Well, the lead-up and the aftermath is kind of quite important. Mm. I think I'm quite good at learning lines, luckily. Like, that's a skill, hopefully, that doesn't take me too long to get them in there. Well, you, you need to now, because obviously you need to 
learn things a lot. I... You know, you didn't need to... You, oh. you never used to have to do that. Really? Mm. How come? Well, you would know it quite well, but you would hold the pages yeah. and you would occasionally sort of glance down yes. when you needed to, so you would have this, you yeah. know, the, the security blanket of the page. Yeah, I still do that, I think, and try and have that confidence in a room with with a casting director so they know that you're not you're not being lazy. But also, it is sometimes, if you've only had the night, to even put that paper down, yeah. it's just, oh, shit, I think it's all gone now. Whereas even if it's just on my lap, likelihood is I won't look at it. But just having that comfort and security and the confidence to know that this casting director knows you're good at this. So, you know, how you can't expect someone sometimes to learn it that quickly and be good at it as well because you, you don't want to just be sat there remembering. I've seen myself do that on self-tapes. I'm well, like, oh, you're just yeah, remembering lines there. Just, uh, yeah, lines. <laughs> not That's acting. kind of what I was meaning. It's, like mm. it's hard to come in with a, a fully formed character if you're just sort of... Yeah. Trying to remember your line. Yeah. What's that? You know, it's two different things. Yeah. I did, I love being in the room and I felt like I was getting really good at that and then self-tapes swept in. And I think they're really bad, personally. Why? Why do you think they're bad? Like, aren't we the first generation? Obviously, this is like, oh, poor us. So hard done by. But aren't, we must be the first generation of actors who have to well, direct the whole damn thing, like set up your whole situation, your every department, basically. Luckily, my brother comes in and sets up our camera and he, do- he knows how to do all that while I'll be doing costume and makeup and the learning lines and trying to work on that bit. And then you shoot it, then you have to watch it back immediately and critique it and go, have I done everything I want to do? I just don't think... Do you think- watch it back? Yeah. Yeah, just for, like, eye lines... Um, because uh, I'll see if I've... Mm, that wasn't what I thought it was. I thought I was conveying more. I, I won't obsess over it, but, I, uh, yeah, I watch it back just so I know what I'm sending off. Yeah. But but I think that's just... I think it's soul-destroying. I feel like... And we're right in the first mix of it now. So I've had some, like, breakdowns early on with self-tapes. Just It's just a horrible thing to do. Then you have to bring in someone you know, which is, can be hard because it might be a mum or whatever. And it's kind of like we, this is our life and it's nice to take it to a room somewhere and sit down opposite someone else who's in on it and if they fluff a line it's fine because they're the casting director it's still going on tape no one cares but if my brother fluffs a line it's one of those little things where you're like oh shit we can't send that off so you you have to obsess over it because it's all on you and yeah I just think it's a it's a bit of a mind fuck really and you've got once you've done those or you've come out of a room are you good at letting it go mm, yeah I think you have to be and uh, exams, I always remember feeling the same. You'd get out into the playground and everyone's like, what did you put for B? Oh, no, I put organic rock. I was going to say, Ign- oh, fuck, igneous. Oh, shit. There you go, it's all Damn. coming <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't see that coming. Mm, igneous rock. <laughs> oh, God, I've so wasted did, in this so career. <laughs> you, did, you did learn lots in school, Holly. Yeah, I did. I'm in the wrong career now, I've just realised. Um but yeah, even with that, I was like, what's the point of us doing this now? You're all stressing. You can't go back in and change it. Genuinely, why are we even discussing it? Let's play. Tag, That's you're it. That's a very healthy thing to, to sort of let go of something when you've had quite an intense, yeah. possibly sort of 20, less than 24 hours to throw something down. Yeah. And then just, that's a freeing thing. That's, that's excellent because sometimes people go, it takes a long time to learn that. Or, or, or may, it may never happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah may, I think it does come back from that exam I just remember being that the, one of the only kids in the playground who wasn't obsessing over what we've just done because it's done maybe I didn't care enough but 
yeah, with this, I try not to obsess because I'm really happy if I've been seen for something. That's it. That's sort of all I want. And then you see something and go, oh, no, they were meant to get it. Uh, I, I rarely, know why now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I rarely, I would have given her the job too. I rarely see something and go, oh, no, I should have done that better. But if I see something that I could have gone up for and didn't, that's when I'm upset. Because at least if I'm in the running, then, yeah, that's great. It's all you can ask for, really. And even though you've only, I mean, you're, you're very, you're still relatively young. Cheers, mate. You're welcome. Pay you later. Thank you. <laughs> Slides twenty pound over <laughs> table. And then another twenty for insulting Blackpool. There you go. <laughs> it's a win-win situation. <laughs> Has there been any times where you've gone? Oh God, I've put my heart and soul into all of this, and I, I'm not sure if I want to carry on. lately I've, I've lost the will for anything <laughs> that sounds so dramatic but just I think it does get really difficult and in what, in what way why, why do you mean lately um well just it seems so limbo I, I've had some great jobs recently but also a l- bloody lot of time off to think and to think where's the next job and a lot of my friends everyone's doing amazing stuff at the moment and that's both inspiring I don't think I've got a jealous bone in my body. I can be envious and go, oh, fuck, I'd love to be doing that right now. And it doesn't help when you're not doing anything. But also it shows you, no, it can be done. So it's nice to see your friends winning. And But I just think the more time that goes on, um, yeah, life's just harder. And I'm like sole breadwinner. So, yeah, I have to be on it in the toughest industry in the land. So, yeah, I think it's not letting those thoughts get to you as well, though, because... They're destructive. And yeah. to be honest, we've made love to the fear already. So it's like, meh, what, can, what are you going to do? That's our life. Whereas some people, you'd lose a job on Friday and by Tuesday you're, you know, racking, what am I going to do with my life? Which I get to a lot of people. They don't have to live with our constant fear of, you know, you'll get a job, you're excited about the job, shot the job, oh, the job's done. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Does the worry ever come into that? Into what? Into all the excitement of getting something and then oh because I know some people go I've got Mm. it I'm really excited oh god now I've actually got to do it oh yeah do you know what I mean yeah there is that but I'm yeah I'm so excited like I just love to get my teeth into whatever so I love the whole thing of it so the moment you arrive on set you know people are always pretty great in our industry because we're all quite happy to be doing what we're doing yeah it's not like maybe a lot of offices or my friend's office anyway, where they've always just got something to gripe about. Whereas we, you know, we kind of love doing what we're doing. What we do is so short-lived and you need to make sure you get the next one. So everyone's sort of, yeah, enjoying what they do. And the whole, it's like a crazy travelling circus, our set life, isn't it? And, yeah, crazy bunch of loons involved, which I love. Um, So, yeah, I don't really... No, I'm just so grateful and happy once I've got the job to just get on with it, to be honest. And that and that's testament to the jobs I have got as well. Um, you know, they're not just work. We need to get work, but they've been really good jobs and yeah. ones I'm excited to do and proud to be part of. So, well, even though you haven't had a great time of late, you sound mm. pretty positive to me. So, ah, oh, thanks. Keep staying positive. Yeah. Lovely talking to you. Oh, thank you, mate. Right back at you. And another episode is. Done. She's so warm and enthusiastic, Holly. She's dead easy company, really lovely to talk to. So if you're listening, Holly, thank you so much for coming on the Two Shot Podcast. And we made those dates work at last. It's always a big thing. Right, uh, that's it, I think. We've got loads to do. Loads more guests to sort out. 
and lots of episodes to bring you. And also we're trying to work on something to do for Christmas. I'm not sure, maybe it's some sort of Christmas party, maybe with a house band and some past Two Shot Pod guests. What do you think? Might be quite nice. Anyway, we're a long way to go. We've got loads of episodes before Christmas. So I'll see you next week for episode 61. Until then, I've been Craig Parkinson, he's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you soon. Take care. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers.